the baby boomers led waves of dramatic culture changes. Their voices raise awareness of consumerism, retirement programs, higher education, health care, and civil rights transformations. Now, the baby boomers have reached an age where it is our turn to give back to them for their voices, their struggles, and their footprint on the society we benefit from today. Boomer Living TV's podcast is dedicated to the support and the enhancement of senior living and the baby boomers' needs and demands. We welcome conversations between caregivers, providers, gerontologists, geriatricians, neurologists, technologists, developers, and operators with one objective, to serve our baby boomers. By bringing together these experts and the baby boomers' families, we can share our knowledge that will educate and inspire others on how to care for the baby boomers. We're a social platform that focuses on the respect and care of this aging population that gave their youth and their wisdom to the society we benefit from today. Dr. Neslam is a board certified in clinical and geropsychology with specialization in neuropsychology, aging, brain health, and brain health lifestyle. He maintains a private practice in Pittsburgh where he conducts independent neuropsychological and psychological exams record reviews, depositions, and courtroom testimony. He maintains an active consulting business in Naples, Florida, which consists of serving as a face and identity of brain health for companies and providing clinical, programmatic training and strategic direction to senior living. He's also a keynote speaker on the miracle of the brain and the brain health across the lifespan to education, business, financial, healthcare, religion, and professional organizations. Hi, Paul. This is Han. How are you? Good, Han. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Well, hey, how are things going over there? You're in Pennsylvania? I'm not. I'm in Marco Island, Florida. I have an office in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, though, so things are great here. How about you? Where are you? I am in uh, Michigan. Oh, okay. 15 minutes away from Ann Arbor. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I've been there. Nice. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time being my guest. Nice to connect with you. So let's learn more about the brain. What is the purpose? Yeah, I wrote a book on that, and it's, uh, in my opinion, is to connect with God. I think it was granted us by God so that we could communicate with Him, or not, and to do things that are neurospiritually healthy, such as love and uh, forgiveness and kindness and compassion, those things that we know about, but that certainly the medical field where I was trained doesn't talk enough about, and we never write prescriptions for that, do we? But Those are very, very healthy for us. And when you talked about in your own video with the boomers, things that we can do to plan, it's not just the diet that we eat or the physical exercise or the socialization, the things that make up my brain health lifestyle, but it goes beyond that neurochemically to do the things that kind of keep us in balance and harmony uh, and peace. And those things can be practiced. So that's, I've been spending a little bit of time thinking about that. So that's the short answer to that question. Memory care and dementia care, both are a huge undertaking and will require staff members to be properly trained. And to do that effectively, you need to understand how the brain works. No, that's right. And it's not, the cool thing about this is your brain really doesn't know how old it is. It just wants to be stimulated in, in ways that you articulated in your website video. But these things are really important all across the lifespan and can be beneficial to all of us, regardless of where we live. What does senior living mean to you? Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting concept, and it, it's really it's a pretty broad concept. I think traditionally, what it means, at least in the United States, is sort of an industry that's set up to provide what has been uh, traditional housing and 
sort of uh, hospitality, which then migrated into medical issues and, and housing uh, out of need because the boomers in particular made some decisions for their parents that they didn't want them to live in nursing homes. That, that tended to be too clinical. So this migration got shifted over into the buildings that had the fancy chandeliers and the nice carpeting. And so what happened was an evolution of this pretty good business model for housing and hospitality that then got shifted into medical acuity and increased frailty and vulnerability. And senior living, quote unquote, which can include a full continuum of care, um, independent living through uh, late stage dementia, I really had to had to adapt. And I think that adaptation is still taking place, Han. I've been doing this a long time. I've had the opportunity to be in the senior living industry as I'm thinking about it right now and talking to you about it for like 30 years. So we've done a pretty good job of getting medical personnel into these buildings and into the continuum to make sure that the diabetes and frailty and uh, all those things are being at least managed. My biggest concern is that there's going to be an onslaught. There already has started to be a kind of a tsunami of dementia. And so we have this new product called memory care. There's still not enough memory care facilities or units within the senior living continuum. Nonetheless, it's the number one growing part of the business. But what I've told CEOs and what I've written about and talked about for anybody that wants to hear my opinion is that that's not going to be the biggest problem. It's not the biggest problem for senior living industry. It's, it's behavioral acuity. And so with you know, memory care, memory is really not a, a problem. I mean, it can be managed. But behavioral acuity is a problem. And right now, senior living, as I'm talking about it, is not sufficiently prepared. It's not sufficiently expert. They're going to need to really think innovatively. They're going to need to think differently about how to manage behavioral problems. This includes things such as sleep disorder, acting out, anxiety, psychosis, depression, loneliness. And the, the industry is not sufficiently prepared for that now. So that's a challenge. Uh, the good news is we have a lot of smart people in the business and, and housing and hospitality and medical field that can, that can rise to the occasion, but we're not there right now. What impact are you making in the senior living for the baby boomers? Yeah, so I, I don't know that I can answer that fairly. I don't know that there's probably other judges of that. I've been, I've been uh, writing, reading, and speaking to hundreds of thousands of people across the planet on aging, uh, which actually doesn't begin at 65. It begins in the womb, and it's a lifespan issue, right? So, And what I've been trying to do is to help people, people be proactive, to be empowered, to not just live a lot of years, but live uh, quality. And so that has to begin uh, early. What I learned, and I'm a board certified geropsychologist. I'm one, one of the very few. There, you talked about only 6,000 geriatricians. There's even fewer geropsychologists. So I'm a, I'm a pretty rare animal. I think there's less than 100 in the country. And one of the things I learned was that in order to uh, sort of age in the latter lifespan successfully, you have to start very early in life. So my work has really been to help with training and development, with working alongside the executive directors and CEOs and boards of senior living. I was the national director of brain health for 13 years at Emeritus. They were purchased by Brookdale. I then took on that post for them. And I've been in and out of a lot of different senior communities, helping them for everything from, like I say, training and development, to helping with the families, to helping with the color of the walls should be for certain programs, to developing memory care programs, and to help, me, help to answer the kind of questions that boomers have 
not only for themselves, but also for, for their parents, as boomers tend to be primary caregivers of uh, aging parents now. So, and I'll continue to do that. And I have my email and my contact information available to really anyone across the planet and do a lot of quiet work, helping to answer questions of those who may be in need. So your website is brainhealthctr.com. Again, it's brainhealthctr.com. And listeners, you can follow Paul on Twitter at Brain Health Lifestyle. Again, on Twitter, it's Brain Health Lifestyle. So is your work internationally then? Yeah, so my work is really international. It's I, I live in near Naples, Florida. My office is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I do some some clinical work, although that's really short. So basically, people go to my website, which is brainhealthctr.com, and I'll be contacted, and I'll be asked to come in, perhaps, for example, and do a talk to uh, help to review programs that are being strategically designed to help to answer some of the questions you're raising to me now, where the industry should go, to help create digital apps that can help cognitive stimulation, this type thing, to help provide expertise into where the whole industry needs to go. And so I, I kind of get about without having a formal office. I get about all over the country. And I, I don't know, probably I've been with, I don't know, 50 or more, quote unquote, companies within the senior living industry, helping them on a contractual basis. Your services are in brain health, managing behavior care, Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, I get called in and a lot of it has been in brain health, but I came out and still, I'm still supposedly quote unquote an expert in things like Alzheimer's disease and dementia and how to manage care and behavioral care. And uh, certainly uh, now very interested and passionate about what we all need to do to kind of live proactively a healthy lifestyle and a brain health lifestyle across the lifespan. So you mentioned behavior acuity issues are going to be a bigger undertaking than the issues associated with memory loss from dementia. So what is being done right now to address this? And um, what do you see the direction that we need to head into to do a better job? Yeah, it's a great question. So I just gave a, a presentation last year at the National Conference for Argentum. I'd never done that. And they really hadn't had any talks on mental health, interesting, which tells you because that's the conference for the national leaders, the CEOs of senior living. And I raised this with them. And d- dementia, as you know, is just a clinical description of symptoms and signs. And, and there's a hundred different types of dementia. The number one type is Alzheimer's. So when we say dementia, there's a lot of things that go on with that that need to be managed. But what the industry has done in senior living is they've thought about this in terms of memory care. And that's why you hear this memory care product. And it's the fastest growing product along the continuum that you articulated in your, your uh, website video. And so independent living, assisted living, uh, memory care, you have outpatient programs and this and that. The, the issue with memory care, though, is it, it sort of is a marketing thing. And it, 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 what happens is in the industry, they, they have now separate buildings just set up for memory care. Sometimes within the assisted living facility, they will have separate units. And so there's a fragmentation and a kind of a splitting of those with sort of cognitive impairment defined as dementia and those without. And what I'm saying to them is you can call it memory care, but we're not recognizing what the real issue is going to be, and it already has started. So the thing that keeps CEOs up at night are the, the residents who are screaming out loud at night, and they're not sleeping, and they're hitting, and they're acting out, and they're incontinent, and you know they're psychotic, and on and on and on. So the senior living industry is not sufficiently staffed or trained or organized yet to manage this. And the more these memory care programs come online, the more dementia is going to be 
part and parcel and a primary focus of senior living, the more behavioral issues are going to be problematic. So what do we do? I think, first of all, we strategically have to conceptually recognize the issue. And so we haven't done that. I'm sort of, I sometimes feel like a lone wolf out there trying to alert everybody to what's coming and what is already here. And so we have to, we have to have training programs set up specifically to train the staff on the front lines, not just about different types of dementia, but literally about the behaviors. We don't want to send these residents to psychiatric facilities where they go in and tend to get medicated and come back and sometimes are worse off than when we send them out. But we definitely don't want to send them to the acute care medical system because they don't know enough about behavioral issues. So we have to kind of create programs that says, I'm this senior living facility. I'm adequately staffed. I'm adequately expert in the management of those who have behavioral problems. We welcome them. We believe we're expert at managing this. We have to have adequate staff, adequate number of staff who are ongoing training programs. We have to begin to introduce technology in ways we haven't introduced technology into these facilities. We have to be able to make sure that we have the caregiver, the family as part of the treatment team on an ongoing basis. We have to have sufficient expertise from psychiatrists, neuropsychologists, psychologists, social workers on board. Oftentimes, this is done in a way where the psychiatrist only comes out once every three or four weeks, and that's really not sufficient. I believe in, there should be like a psychologist on staff. On staff, right. Yeah, and, and that you know there need to be behavioral rounds where interdisciplinary uh, inter, uh, team, including the dietary, spiritual, uh, rehab, medical, psychological, nursing staff all meet. There need to be sections of the chart set up for behavior. And I can go on and on and on. And we have to have an empirical approach where we're measuring intensity and frequency of certain target behaviors, right? Because that's the only way our intervention is going to be shown to be effective. So these are ways that I think at a minimum need to be thought about. I work with senior uh, living facilities on these issues. I think it can get done, but it needs to be sort of recognized first and admitted to that this is this is a tsunami that's coming. There's training for gerontology, geriatric, neurology, and its subcategories. Are you saying that all of these disciplines and subdisciplines need to be integral to the senior living operation? So within the medical field, as you just mentioned, some of the subdisciplines, they, they have adequate training. They know what to do. The, the issue becomes the bridging of those folks into what you and I are talking about is senior living. For example, I was national director of brain health for the largest senior living company in America. So that was pretty unique. So what that said was the CEO thought it was valuable enough to have a guy that's a neuropsychologist and board certified in geropsychology to kind of be around to work with the staff, right? Uh, to answer questions. What we need to do from a senior living industry perspective is bring that talent that is in the medical field, is in the nursing field, is in the psychological field, more frequently into the campuses, the facilities, the buildings where senior living occurs. There is, if I'm a senior living person right now listening to this, I'm going to fight back a little bit, push back on Dr. Nussbaum here and say, you know what, we have really good ongoing training programs. And I would say, yeah, you do. I agree with you. But it tends to be on things such as Alzheimer's versus vascular dementia, depression, here's our activities program, our residential program, this is what we do, we have a wellness program now. But it's just not sufficiently expert to the point where, in my opinion, there need to be more, if not full-time, certainly consultants that come in on a weekly basis that have this sufficient expertise. Because then, like, for example, what I do is I teach the men and women on the front line on an ongoing basis who are actually the most important because they're caring for these folks. I teach the families. I teach the CEO. I teach the maintenance people. 
uh, about what goes on in the brain when you have a dementia of a specific type and the behaviors that can occur and will occur and how we manage them so that everybody feels sufficiently expert. I created one time a thing called the Behavioral Intensive Care Center that sat within a nursing home. This was 25 years ago for Pete's sake. And the idea was that we would have sort of our special forces training there for that staff. Interestingly, you would think that because we had the worst of the worst from that continuum go to that behavioral intensive care center for a short stay rather than go to a psychiatric facility, you'd think that the staff would not want to work there because it's too difficult, right? Well, it turns out the rate of departure, the turnover there for that staff was lowest in that behavioral intensive care center. So what we learned was that not only can we manage these behaviors within a sufficiently using a sufficiently trained staff, but that staff is so sort of psychologically committed, they don't leave. So that's the idea of how do we bridge the expertise that's out there that tends to find its way in silos of medical fields and medical departments and hospitals and get it transitioned over into these senior living facilities where it's desperately needed. Of the folks that are in dementia care, who's facing Alzheimer's, depression, what percentage of those folks have behavior issues? So it, it varies by setting, interestingly. So in the nursing home, about 90%. Wow. Um, in quote-unquote assisted living, it's going to be over 50%. And my point is, and that's today, and on my website, there's a white paper there on important documents where I went over all this and have all the statistics. But my point is, and, and you know this very well, that this is a dynamic system, right? So the senior living industry is moving and changing rapidly. Part of it is because of the demographics. and what we're talking about right now today, you and me, those numbers are only going to increase sure. because memory care is becoming more and more pronounced. There's more facilities going up. We're going to go from 5 million to 15 million Americans with just Alzheimer's disease in this country, let alone the other 99 types of dementia. So th- th- there's just, it's a real, it's a real problem. And it's an economic issue, as you point out, and it's a quality of life issue. And for the boomer, who's the caregiver right now, the, the son or daughter of a person with uh, behavioral problems, dementia, they're going to sleep better at night if they know that mom or dad's being managed by individuals who cared for by individuals who really know what they're doing. It's not just sort of chandeliers and carpeting. In the early stages, people with dementia may experience uh, behavior and personality changes such as irritability, anxiety, depression, and then later they may have symptoms like uh, aggression and anger, anxiety and agitation. Um, some emotional distress, maybe physical and verbal outbursts, um, pacing, shredding of paper, hallucination, delusions, and sleeping issues. So when a um, dementia patient goes through this, what happens? Yeah, so typically what happens is this is in facilities where there are resources because a number of these facilities don't have the resources. So it's not uncommon that they would call the medical doctor, that they would call the psychiatrist, like I said, who doesn't come in frequently enough because he or she's busy. The staff will try to manage the behaviors as best they can. Medications uh, will be prescribed to settle the behavior down. Behavioral interventions will be attempted, hopefully. And probably more often than not, the person who cannot be managed will be sent to a uh, psychiatric facility for a short-term stay to have behaviors hopefully resolved, and then uh, the person will be sent back. Problem with that is oftentimes all of that movement within an acute care, to an acute care facility only increases the behaviors. 
Yeah. Uh, and so they don't necessarily come back any better. I'm sure if you talk to frontline staff, they would agree with that. These folks tend not to, facilities tend not to be staffed quite well enough. And so the ability to have sufficient resources there to manage these behaviors is, is always problematic. Now, folks within memory care, the staffing is a bit better, approach is a bit better, but we've got to do a better job in the senior living industry. It's one of the calls to action that I've been trying to announce uh, here to uh, folks over the past year or two years. What does aging mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I read a, a thing the other day where um, they're beginning to, uh, scientists are beginning to really tweak the, the, the genome in animals to literally stop the aging process. So some people look at aging as a disease. Some people look at aging as a natural process. For me, it's a continual process, continual normal process of the human condition. And we, we tend to kind of screw it up a little bit in the United States of America, if not across the planet, in that we try to segment the aging process into lordy, lordy, I'm 40. When you're 50, you get the AARP card. When you're 65 and over, all these policies kick in. And we don't know why they kick in at 65, but they do. So we think about aging and the latter lifespan differently than the younger lifespan. For me, aging begins in the womb and it continues until the last day, that uh, the moment that we breathe. And the idea for me is to try to try to create quality during those two anchors, right? So from the womb out uh, until the last breath, uh, let's create as much quality as we can. And most of that tends to be along the psychosocial behavioral continuum, not along the medical continuum, interestingly. What are your thoughts or plans for your loved one's uh, senior living option? Yeah, so my, my mother right now is uh, going to be turning 96 here in a couple months. And my dad just passed at 92. They were living together in an apartment. We, I finally convinced them to leave their three-story home and go into a one-level apartment. Part of getting older successfully is you tend to be a bit stubborn. But I, part of senior living, the continuum has to include the home. And we all tend to find quality of life in our home. Home has a lot of psychological, spiritual meaning. It's health. It's health-promoting. Going into a hospital in our country is a risk factor for depression, so I don't need to say anything more. So my thought is, at least with my loved ones, to do everything we can to try to keep them in the place where they want to be, not in the place where I want them to be, the place where they want to be, and that tends to be home. Yeah. So we do everything we can to bring in sometimes the services, what we call assisted living is not just a building. Assisted living or services provided to a person, wherever that person may be. And if they can be in their home, that's always going to be the most health-promoting. And so, for example, from a policy perspective in the United States of America, we should really be thinking about how we can use all of our resources, provide tax incentives to use our technology, to use our artificial intelligence, to keep people in their home for as long as we, we can. A lot of this stuff tends to be cost prohibitive. A lot of people can never even get into assisted living in this country because it's too cost prohibitive. So they have to get, literally use all the resources so they go into skilled nursing. That's fundamentally, philosophically, moralistically wrong. So for me anyway, at least my loved ones and try to treat everybody that I talk to when they call me and ask me as if it's my loved one, that would be my first, you know, where does your loved one want to be? And what do we need to do to try to help him or her stay there for as long as we can? And then from there, when a new setting is needed in your own advice and your steps on your, on your website is accurate. We have to look into, I would say, first and foremost, the sophistication of the staff some talk to some residents and families who have been there. Look at the training and development that's there on an ongoing basis. Look at whether or not they have experts around that consult with the team. 
that would be a way to go about the next step if it's, if it's assisted living or memory care. For my parents, my dad passed away due to brain tumor. And my mom stayed at home with my sister as long as she could. Um, but my sister also works full time. She's a physician. And um, it came to the point where my mom needed 24-7 hour care around the clock. And then we had to hire a caregiver to, uh, to take care of her and also one that would speak her language. Yeah, and that's the decision process that families hopefully go through. And it, it's, it's unique to each person, but there's a lot of commonality. And you're right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Um, I really appreciate your time and your wealth of knowledge. Listeners, you can contact Dr. Paul Nosbaum at brainhealthctr.com. Again, it's brainhealthctr.com. And follow him on Twitter at Brain Health Lifestyle. Well, Paul, thanks again, and I look forward to talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Boomer Living TV's podcast. Make sure to visit our website, boomerliving.tv, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other platforms. This way, you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate a rating in iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us tremendously. Be sure to tune in weekly for our next episode. And remember, growing old is the purest and the most positive experience of human existence.